Uh, we are continuing First Peter. If you have a Bible, you can flip over to First Peter. Hello, friends in the room, friends in Fort Worth, Houston, and all over who are joining with us. Let me read the passage that we will be in tonight as we continue First Peter, a letter from the Apostle Peter, the uh, leader of the disciples who had his life totally changed by Jesus, formerly known as Simon was Peter's name. And Jesus came along and uh, said, I'm going to change your name to Rocky, and you're about to change the world with you and a whole bunch of other people. And so let me read one of the letters that he wrote to the uh, church. And here's uh, Peter means Rocky, or Rock, in case you're like, what is he talking about? Here's uh, where we're going to be in chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Peter writes and says, to the elders, the leaders among you, I appeal to you as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings who will also share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock. That is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd, Jesus, appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves in humility towards one another. Because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Let me pray one more time. We'll dive in. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you take uh, people like Simon Peter, who are uh, broken, messed up people, and you allow them to step into a relationship with you and step out of wasting their life away and finding purpose and healing and hope and finding you. Father, we pray that that would happen tonight, that you would open eyes for anyone who doesn't have a relationship, that you would open all of our eyes to just the truths contained in your word. You'd instruct our hearts, that you would allow just your word, which you say is sharper than anything, to pierce into our hearts, to pierce into this heart, mine, and my friend's hearts and to transform us and make us more like Jesus. Father, we love you. Thank you for sending your son to die the death that we deserved and allowing us by his new life to have uh, lived a life that apart from him, we could not live. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, well, I went to uh, the University of Texas A&M. Any Aggies in this place? <laughs> oh my gosh, it's entirely Aggies. Hello, breakaway. Uh, so uh, when I was at AM, I, uh, I did uh, sports for the first couple of years there. I did track. It was nothing uh, impressive at all. And uh, I threw the javelin, which like six people on the planet do. So it's like me and you six guys. And anyways, we had these sport advisors who would tell you or help you enroll you in the classes that you would take. Basically, everybody who was involved in the athletic program, uh, especially for like football players or different people are like, we're going to make sure you take the easiest electives we have. So we're going to go knitting on one. We're going to go yoga class. And then agronomy was the one that I got handed. So I'm going to start by telling you about my experience in agronomy. I know all you guys love agronomy. What is agronomy? Study of the stars. No, it's not that. That's astronomy. Agronomy is, uh, it was agronomy 101. And I got told by my advisor, this is going to be your elective for the first semester. He go, agronomy is the study or it's recreational turf grass. Agronomy, yes, agricultural, Texas A&M, agriculture mechanical. And they had an agronomy class and it was me and essentially the football team. And we're in there and you are learning about how grass grows. So I am about to tell you 
What I learned over this entire semester in the next probably 35 seconds, and I'm going to save you what I paid $3,000 for and give it to you right here. It basically, here's what you, you study. Hey, this is how grass grows. And these are the things that are essential and necessary and, and the different types of grass and how they can all grow. And there's four things that are necessary for any grass to grow. If grass, if you ever have it to grow, I'm about to save you. I know everyone came in here tonight being like, please talk about the grass. And so I'm about to remove that and, uh, and tell you, if grass is going to grow, there's four things necessary. Sunlight. I know you can write this down. I see a lot of people. Water. Soil. And you got to pick the weeds. I'm going to repeat them. Sunlight. Water. Soil. You got to pick the weeds. I just saved you $3,000 right there. Yeah, you're welcome. Here's why I start with that. In order for... <laughs> yeah, thank you. That's great. Yeah, clap. Uh, so... It, in order for anything or in this grass to grow, you had to have these four things and that are essential. If, if they were not present, uh, the grass would not grow. If there wouldn't water, it couldn't happen. If it was like in a closet, you couldn't grow grass. If you, didn't, if you were trying to throw grass on concrete, it had to have soil, it couldn't grow. If you didn't pick weeds, it would choke out the grass and it wouldn't grow. Why would I start there? Um, no reason at all. I just had to get that off my chest and share it with somebody. I'm totally kidding. The reason I start there is because in the same way that there are four essentials that are required are necessary in order for growth to take place in uh, grass's life, all of us came in here tonight, especially for Christians. If you're a Christ in the room, I'm talking especially to you with a desire to grow, to grow spiritually. In other words, for Christ followers, there probably isn't very many or any of us who came in the room who's like, you know what? I feel like I've reached the pinnacle of my growth. I don't need to know any more Bible. I know all that I could possibly ever know or all that there is to know. My prayer life, it's like me and Mother Teresa are on the same playing field here. My service and my ministry impact, it eclipses anything else on this planet and like anything anyone has ever seen. The very few or in none of us come in here feeling like, man, there's no spiritual ground for for me to take. And if that is you, this message probably is not going to be for you. So you're dismissed right now. But for the rest of us who came in saying, man, I want to grow. I want to experience spiritual growth in my life that I do want to see. Uh, I do want to see my integrity grow, which happens whenever you spiritually grow and you grow more and more godly. I do want to grow in my knowledge of God's word. I do want to be better at relationships, which I know whenever I'm good at vertically uh, making sure that I love the Lord my God, that I become a better lover of my neighbor as myself. That we all came in here with this desire to spiritually take around and spiritually grow. And just like in that agronomy class where we remove the mystery of, hey, these things are always present. If growth is going to take place, there are certain things that Peter lays out in this passage that if you are going to experience spiritual growth are essential in your life and in my life. Said otherwise, if the three things that we're going to talk about are not present in your life, you will not spiritually grow. And you're going to wake up however many months from today and you're going to look back and wish that you had began to implement the stuff that Peter says or you're gonna to begin to apply them and begin to see and experience growth. It's not the exhaustive list of things, but if these are not present, just like sunlight with grass, you will not grow. And Peter gives us very clear instructions on what those things are gonna be. So we're gonna pick it up right where we uh, stopped or right where uh, we started at verse one of chapter five, where Peter goes into his closing remarks to the church. And we're gonna look at the three essentials that he lays out necessary for spiritual growth. Uh, it, he talks about submission to godly leadership, clothing ourselves in humility towards God and towards others or towards other believers. 
and then how we cast our anxiety, not carry it. So we're gonna look at those three ideas and the three things that he says are necessary if you and I are going to experience growth inside of our life. Let's pick it up back in verse one. So he begins writing to the elders. Elders is a word for pastor, leader. He's writing, as you know, a a lot of the New Testament is letters. So if you have the New Testament, which is the second half of the Bible, part two, a lot of it is made up of letters that were written by the apostles, the disciples and Paul. And they wrote these letters. There's 21 letters out of the 27 books in the New Testament. 21 of them are these letters written to churches who are made up of new believers going, how do I live out this faith? And Peter and a lot of the boys wrote these letters saying, hey, this is what it looks like to follow Jesus. So now he begins addressing the specific leaders of the church that he's writing to. And here's what he says. To the elders, the leaders of this church among you, I appeal to you as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings who will also share in the glory to be revealed. Like, hey, I'm in this, we're in this together as leaders of the church. I'm telling you, be shepherds or care for God's flock that is under your care. Watching over them, not because you must, so he's talking to the leaders, here's how I want you to lead your church, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain, don't do this to make more money, to take advantage of people, but being eager to serve. He gives the call and the commands of leadership inside of the church. Not lording it over those who entrusted it to you, but being an example that you lead by example to the flock. And when the chief shepherd, like reminder, leader of the church, you have a leader, Jesus. And when he appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away, that it's gonna be worth it. In the same way that there's something for the elders or the leaders of a church to do, elders is the local leadership of a church. In the same way, you who are younger, Or you could insert, hey, you friends at the porch or you who are younger inside of their church, there's specific things for you to do. Submit yourselves to the elders. The first essential that he gives us for spiritual growth, if you and I are gonna experience it, is that you and I are called to submit to God's leaders, called to submit to God's leaders. Now, here's here's what I know about you because I know it's true about me and it's really just true about millennials in general, probably just Americans. It's like submit to... uh, Submission in general and submission to authority are not, not a millennial's favorite word choice, if you will. Like, probably not a lot of us have like a tattoo that says submit to authority. It's just not something that we're really excited about doing around here. Maybe because there's been abuse of authority or different things that we've seen. But if you're a follower of Christ, this is not an option. That you and I, me too, are called to submit ourselves to a local church group and the leadership of that local church. That if you and I are gonna experience growth, the first idea is that you and I are called to submit to God's leaders. What do I mean by that? I do not mean that you're called to attend a church. I, uh, I mean that you're called to be plugged in or a member of a church. If you attend here on a Tuesday, even if you attend on a Sunday, you're not a member, you're an attender. You and I are called to be members of a church, whether that, that's here or another place. Uh, if you're from another church, we're so glad you're here. We're not trying to church steal or anything. We hope you go deeper into wherever God has you. But all of us are called, if you're a Christ follower, to be members of a church. You and I are called to submit to a local leadership and be underneath the authority of elders around us. Just like grass wouldn't grow in that scenario unless it's under sunlight. You will not grow unless you are under the authority of local leadership unless you are underneath the authority of a local leadership. Man, I missed this for so many years of my life. I remember in college that there was never, I, I never plugged into a church. Like I would serve at different places, but I was, ne- I was disobedient to this passage, to many passages inside of the New Testament that teach that you and I are called to be a part of a local church. And there's an epidemic among millennials 
where they just church hop. Hey, you kind of go uh, to the village on Sunday. You check out the porch on Tuesday. Maybe you go to IBC or PCBC or any of these different initials out here. And you kind of just check them out. And they're kind of on the Rolodex. And which one's up next? And then I podcast this person and I listen to this person. And the scripture says you're living disobedient to what Christ's command is on your life. Whether you're going to plug in here or another place, if you are a Christian, you are called to be a part of a local church. I'm going to say it again, and I'm just going to hammer it and then give an illustration, and we're going to move on. If you are not a member of a church, you are diso- and you're a Christian, you're living in disobedience to the clear commands in Scripture. And you may be hiding behind like some smoke screen. I'm, I'm trying to figure out my job and maybe, you know, and I want to make sure I, I, I get married because then, you know, uh, my boo may have a different church. And you're, you're hiding behind a bunch of excuses. And God's command is that you become a member of a church. If it's not this one, there's lots of great ones, but we're all called to get plugged in. You will not grow if you're not connected to a local body. And on the flip side, what's amazing is how, how much people grow whenever they get plugged into a local church. Like I was talking to a buddy today who's one of our leaders and, um, and we were hanging out a couple weekends ago at something called a, a porch leader retreat, which we do a couple times a year. We take the 10 or 12 leaders that lead the teams here at the porch. There's 200 volunteers and they're over them at the Dallas campus. They're amazing men and women. Uh, and they, uh, with our staff, just pull away and we spend the weekend. And I was talking to one of the guys there and we were talking randomly. He was sick and we were talking about Advil and he was going into, and I was reminded of his story because in the midst of the Advil, he was like, yeah, I try not to take too many Advil because I feel like I hit it pretty hard on the old liver there for a number of different years when I was back in college, referring to just his story and the uh, ways that he wasn't uh, pursuing Christ, but he's, part of his past was just, man, I was uh, living for the party scene. It was either sex, alcohol, drugs, whatever it was, until Christ captured his heart. And I asked him today, we were talking about some of his story, and he said, man, there were so many times I would come down front and I would uh, talk to someone down there and the same thing would happen every time. It would, I basically would come down and confess and I'd be like, yeah, I got wasted again this Friday. Yeah, I got wasted this Friday. And finally, JP, he said, told me, man, when are you gonna go all in? Like if you want to stop playing the game and experience change, go all in. And it was in that moment or when he decided to do that, he submitted himself to a group of elders. He joined this church. And in submitting to the elders, you're like, what does that mean here? I'll give you what it means here. It means you follow the instructions that they have for the flock among you or a flock here. Not because they're like, oh man, we need somebody make us feel important because they will stand before God and give an account for the flock here. And some of the instructions they have is being a community group, that you serve somewhere, that you have a annual kind of checkpoint with our staff to make sure how are we doing and annually you agree, hey, I'm still in, I still wanna be a member here. And in doing that, that's what it looks like to submit to the authority of Watermark to be a part of the elders leadership here. And in doing that, his life began to change. Like if you just do that, if you just do that one thing, you're gonna experience growth because everything else, like if you're connected, if you go all in at a healthy church under godly leadership, you're gonna grow in your Bible knowledge. You're gonna grow in your ability to talk about your faith. You're gonna grow in the peace that you have over anxiety. Maybe not overnight, but uh, by submitting to the care of the elders here, you're going to step into being known by other people. You're going to step into using your gifts, not just consuming all the time, but contributing. And you're going to experience growth in your life. And if you don't want to grow, if you're like, man, I do not want to grow at all spiritually. My goal is to maybe move a little bit backwards. The thing you have got to avoid like the plague is becoming a member of a church. 
And even if you're not avoiding it like the plague, but you're just avoiding it in general, you are not going to grow if you don't submit to God's leadership inside of a local church. Peter continues and tells us something else related to just that idea of, of humility or submitting. And he says this in verse, uh, second half, verse five. All of you, so now we talked about elders, young people, everybody, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time that Peter says that you and I are every single day, if you're a Christian, you are to clothe yourselves in humility. Our second idea from the text is that we are to clothe ourselves in humility towards God's people and God's timing. I'll explain what I mean by that. But he basically says, hey, every single day, just like he uses the, uh, he uses a verb that just means to tie around you or to tie it on, that every day you wake up and just like you put on clothes, you put on humility as you look at your day. Very few of us probably have ever left the house without clothes and been like, oh my gosh, can't believe I forgot to put on clothes, I gotta go back. In the same way, Peter would say, hey, you are to not leave, uh, leave the house every single day, put on, just like you put on clothes, put on humility towards one another and the way that you interact with one another and the way that you uh, are humble towards God and his timing in your life. And I think a lot of times humility can be misunderstood. And as you've, uh, if you've been with us, heard us say before, um, an old C.S. Lewis quote, which is just a Christian writer, that humility is not thinking about yourself or thinking less of yourself, like, man, I just hate me, or thinking more of yourself. It's thinking about yourself less. It's not thinking less of yourself, like, man, I hate me and I'm just so ugly and gosh, I'm not, I don't deserve anything. It's not thinking about yourself. The focus of your life is not on how bad you are or how good you are, but just on others around you and the God that you serve. And Peter says every single day, the posture of a Christian is to be one of being considerate towards others, of being humble towards others, humble towards God, which we'll talk about in a second. But what does it look like to be humble towards others? It looks like being considerate of the needs of other people around you. It looks like being caring and serving other people around you rather than seeking to be served, not to get, you know, uh, praised as the servant, but just because you see people as who they are, made in God's image, the same God that you serve. And Peter says, put this on every single day when you get up, seek to serve others around you. The crazy thing about humility is like humility looks good on everyone. Like there's not a person in the room who if you are humble are not gonna be more attractive. Like if you can just learn to have a true, sincere posture of humility, if you're a person who's like, man, I'm, I'm not quick to like celebrate myself and how great I am and you know, me, 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 enough about me, now you talk about me. If you're not that person, but you're someone who's like, man, I, I'm quick to praise others, I'm quick to acknowledge just how much of my life is a gift from God and anything that's good there, I've, I've really been so fortunate. Like that person is so attractive. The person who seeks to serve, the person who out of humility is like grateful for things in their life because they're not entitled. The person who's out of humility, like not easily offended, they're quick to forgive. Like you see, ever seen conflict between humble people? It's like the most boring thing ever. It's like, man, I'm, I'm so sorry. No, no, are you serious? No, this was me, are you No, no, it was mainly me. And it's like, oh my gosh, guys, seriously. Uh, it, you don't conflict much. Humility is one of those things that makes life better and it makes anyone who has it better. I mean, true story, fellas, if you've been hit with the ugly stick, I can tell you one thing, you will be more attractive to the ladies in this room if you are humble. <laughs> uh, it's true. Uh, if you got, if you like, <laughs> somebody told me this last week, dude, you got a face made for radio. I was like, you're, 
You're a mean, mean person. That'll click. And uh, if you've got a face made for radio, I am confident you will be more attractive. You will be a more potential suitor if you can learn the art of humility that overflows from your relationship and love from Christ. Just that's for free, okay? You can take that <laughs> to the bank. But it's true. It just, it's the little black dress. It looks good on everybody, regardless of who's wearing it. Humility. It looks good every single time. <laughs> Ugly stick is not in my notes. I apologize. So let's just save the email. <laughs> and we're moving on. And then he talks about not only humility towards others, but humility towards God's timing. Come back with me. That humility doesn't just look like uh, humility towards others, but humility and trusting of God's timing. And one of the ways uh, humility manifests itself is by trusting in God's timing inside of your life. But what does he say? He says at the end of verse that, that God, by when we humble ourselves underneath his mighty hand, we trust and allow him to exalt him at the, in due time. That part of humility is trusting, like, God, you're in control. I'm going to trust your timing inside of my life. How much of young adulthood is spent not trusting or fighting against God for the timing that you don't think is playing out the way you want it to? I can speak from experience in my own life. I mean, so much of my own uh, struggles with, a, uh, with humility are clearly going, God, when am I going to move further down the road? I should be farther in my career. I should make more money by now. Maybe for you, it's like, hey, I, I should have been married already. God, what are you doing? I should have, my biological clock is running out. God, are you going to do something? Are, are, am I going to get a promotion? Am I ever going to own a home? Where am I going to live once my roommate lives? And so much of humility is just saying, God, I'm going to trust that you're in control. I'm going to trust your timing. It's the word that Peter uses, that you would trust. Humility is trusting the God who's in control, who's moving the circumstances around, that he's over my life and he's the one ultimately who's in control. Uh, this one is probably easily the one that like, I, uh, I wrestle with to a point where I don't even feel like I can truly preach it with integrity. So I'll just say, man, I stink at this. Join the crowd. And, uh, and I was with uh, JP and Garrett, who leads it on Fort Worth, and we were doing a teaching retreat a couple months ago. And, uh, and we were planning out the year, and we break away, go to uh, you know, somewhere, uh, whether it's a lake house or just a, a place of friends connection. And we try to get away and plan out the year of the sermons and the series. And, uh, and throughout that time, I just remember dialoguing and, and going, man, I, sometimes I, I feel like, oftentimes I feel like, I'm, I'm like, I don't know if I should even stay in ministry. I feel like I should be further down. Maybe I should go lead uh, a church like God. I, I feel like, and I can immediately go, man, maybe I need to go uh, into the business world or I should be elevated further along in my career path by now. I should be making more money or I should have a, a bigger house or whatever the different accomplishments and it's a pride that wells up in me that, that I would call, man, it's just discontentment and it's pride and it's evil and it's wicked and it's the thing that brings the opposition of God. And Peter says, man, trust the God who's in the heavens. You can trust his timing over your life. You can voice and express the things that, man, you're disappointed. You can be honest with God, but at the same time, humble yourselves and say, I'm going to choose God. I trust your timing. I can be honest in asking you to bring about certain things in my life, but I'm going to trust your timing above my own. And Peter says, man, clothe yourself in humility and you'll experience growth. Humility towards others, humility towards God. And then he finishes and really connects to the idea of humility 
and so much of our future and the ways that we don't trust God's timing, which is called anxiety. And here's what he says. Cast all your anxiety, or casting, is the, it's a continuation, it's the same sentence. And in the Greek, that word cast is casting. So casting all, one of the ways we humble ourselves is by casting all of our anxiety on him because he cares for you. That just like uh, in that lawn scenario, there were certain things required in order for it to go. One of them was picking the weeds out. That in order for your, fa- or, I'm sorry, in order for the grass to grow, that uh, weeds had to be picked up and plucked and removed or they would choke out the grass. In the same way, as it relates to anxiety inside of your life, the Bible doesn't say, hey, you, you'll never have anxiety ever. It says, hey, when you are anxious, there's something specific that you're to do. Just like pulling weeds out so that the grass can grow, you and I are to cast out anxieties so that the faith that we have can continue to grow, casting them to a very specific place. Our third idea from the text is just we cast your anxieties. Don't carry them. You cast anxieties. You do not carry them. If you want your faith to grow, you cast your anxieties on the Lord. You do not carry them, Peter says. Peter, like a fisherman who was very familiar with casting things or casting in our day, casting a net out, says you and I are called not to carry anxieties around, but to cast them on the Lord surrender them and bring them to him. Said another way that when I'm anxious, God wants me to, his word tells me to bring to him the things I'm anxious about. Bring to him through prayer. God, you know what I'm facing today. You know the interview that I had. You know that if this job doesn't work out that I don't know what I'm gonna do. God, you know that I'm so tired of being single and I'm really hoping that something's gonna change. God, you know that I'm not sure where I'm gonna live because my roommate's about to move out and you know that as I sit here, I'm anxious, Lord. Will you help me to trust you? And Father, will you change this? He says, bring your anxieties for a very specific reason because he cares for you. And the little word care is, is a word that's, that's almost stronger than, than the English word care. It means you matter to God. Not like you matter to God, but you matter to God. Some of you, the most important thing you're going to leave here with, especially if anxiety is a part of your story or part of your struggle, is knowing that God cares about you. He cares about the things you're wrestling with. He cares about the things that are making you anxious. He cares about what's on your schedule tomorrow, that the God of the universe cares about you. He cares enough to send his son to die for you. Do you not think that he cares about the fact that your mom has cancer? And Peter says, cast all your anxieties on him. He cares to you. When you get anxious, so much of our tendency is to like hold onto it ourselves and try to carry it ourselves. Peter says, you're not strong enough to carry it. The God of the universe is saying, bring your anxieties to me. Why? Because I won't know about them unless you do. No, I'm God. I know everything. But the reality is your heart and yourself will begin to change if the reaction to the struggles, the problems, the fears that you face in life goes from, I'm just going to hold on to this. I'm going to turn it to going, God, you know what I'm facing. I'm going to turn and I'm going to give this to you. Will you help me right now? And Peter says, when you do that, you cast out anxiety and your faith begins to grow. You're not strong enough to carry it. My son is, is I have a 17-month-old son who's, um, who's in this stage right now where like everything, he wants to pick up everything and carry it around. He refuses to ask for help for anything. So he just goes around and not only does he like want to pick everything up, he goes ballistic whenever he doesn't get to pick it up because we're terrible parents apparently. And so he will go around and he'll try to like pick up different things. I'm like, buddy, you can't pick that up. And then he'll just lose it. Like it's like, hey buddy, you can't pick up the dog. He weighs 
four times as much as you do. And he'll just go ballistic. Last night, we were trying to get out the door to this banquet that we were going to. And the babysitter, we had a new babysitter showing up and we're going and, and we're getting um, everything ready. And our son is kind of outside playing and he's uh, trying to pick up this toy that he has. It's way too heavy. And so I go and I grab him and he just begins to lose it. And the babysitter's right here for the very first time. And I'm like, hey, everything's fine. It's gonna be great. You're gonna love this kid. And, uh, <laughs> and I'm like, man, buddy, just let me carry it. You're not strong enough. Peter says that whatever you're facing, and man, I have such compassion for anxiety. I, I, my wife, it's very a part of her story, um, and she's seen incredible victory, but I know for a lot of us in the room, like anxiety can just be something that owns and grips us. And Peter says, whatever you're facing, you're not strong enough to hold on to it. You're not strong enough to carry it, but there is one who is. Will you bring it to him? And in doing so, you cast out the anxiety, and even then, you're declaring, God, I trust you, and your faith will grow. That God, in the moments where I'm, I'm tempted to despair because I don't know what I'm going to do about my job, I don't know who I'm going to marry, I'm just overwhelmed, I'm anxious right now, I'm not even sure why I'm anxious, but God, you know, and you're in control, I trust you, I don't know what tomorrow holds, I know that you hold tomorrow, you hold all things, and I'm going to bring those to you, and even in that, you're showing your faith, you're flexing your faith. Peter says, don't, ca or don't carry your anxieties, cast them off to the God who cares for you. Here's, what, here's what's like so crazy about anxiety is, um, is it will choke your faith. Like, like only one of anxiety or faith can grow at the same time. Jesus in Matthew 13 even says this, that hey, if you want uh, your faith to get choked out or to not grow, if you allow anxiety around it, we'll choke that out. And further, what's interesting is that anxiety, stay with me, anxiety and faith require the same soil to grow in, uncertainty. Like in other words, you cannot have faith without uncertainty because that's just called seeing or sight. You cannot have faith without uncertainty. You cannot have anxiety without uncertainty. The very same circumstances under which anxiety shows up and flares up is the very same circumstances where faith shows up, uncertainty. Why does that matter? Oh, that's an interesting observation because here's what it means. The very same circumstances today, if you were anxious today, if anxiety is a part of your story, if anxiety is something that you wrestle with, the very same things that cause anxiety in your life are the places that God wants to lead and grow your faith to. So that a moment where you normally get anxious, faith shows up. The very same circumstances, I'm on the plane, the plane starts going down in a moment where I normally would be like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna lose it. All of a sudden I'm filled with faith. My God is in control. And that's an extreme one, maybe for more that hits at home, the very same moments where you're at work or your job or you're not sure what's gonna happen in the midst of your family, maybe they're divorcing, where anxiety wells up, those are the moments that God, if you will let him lead you there, wants to eventually bring you to a place where instead of anxiety showing up in uncertainty, faith shows up because it's the same places that they grow, uncertainty. And the God who is there wants to grow them in your life. He does not want you to carry anxiety. He wants you to cast them on him.
inside of this room, there's gonna be two stories. I'm gonna land the plane here. There's two paths that people are gonna come in. For Christians in the room, there's, there's those of us who would come in and you're not a member of a church. You're not gonna get plugged into a church. You're gonna leave here and kind of continue jumping around and, and attending different places, but you will never submit to authority. You're not gonna clothe yourselves in humility and listen to others and be subject to elders and you're in the face of anxiety, you're not gonna turn to God. And your faith is not gonna grow, it's gonna die or it's gonna be frozen from where you are now until when you decide to do those things. And then there's others who would decide or have already decided, I'm gonna submit myself to elders, I'm gonna step under the leadership of a church because the church is perfect? No, there's no such thing as a perfect church. But because it's part of God's plan for me experiencing growth and it's a command and I'm gonna to seek to be uh, humble every day, put on humility, to allow others to speak into my life, to listen, be slow to speak, do whatever I can, be humble towards other believers and others in general, and humble towards my God, that God, I'm gonna to choose to trust you. And uh, there's gonna be moments where I don't want to, but I'm gonna choose to voice, God, I don't want to. Will you help me trust you and trust your timing? And I'm gonna bring my anxieties when they well up, I'm gonna bring them to you. Not just hold on to them, but bring them to the God who says, I care for you. Will you cast them on me? I'm strong enough. In that class, we would we like would go and you'd see grass and you would uh, you try to evaluate, or you would be a part of the class was evaluating, like, hey, which of the four essentials was not present that led to the grass not growing if it was dead? So you're going like, is it, was it water? Was it this? And you do an assessment, if you will. Inside of the room, the spiritual assessment Peter puts before us in that if you're going to experience growth, you've got to examine. It's going, hey, and you can like go, I'm not taking your assessment. Great. Well, I'll just put the questions out there. Are you a part of a local church? Are you underneath the authority of elders who will stand before God and give an account for you? Are you seeking to clothe yourselves in humility with other believers, allowing them to speak into your life, serving and using the gifts God's given you to walk humbly? Are you seeking to trust his timing and casting your anxieties on him? If you're not, you're not gonna grow and your faith will freeze and you'll look back to this moment and either wish you would have started what hopefully someday you will. Or you'll look back and say, man, I kept going. I was doing those things and I kept going and my faith has strengthened and grown. And in the face of uncertainty, I have a God who I follow and I cast my anxieties on. Let me pray. Father, thank you. God, that you care for us. With that truth alone, if nothing else, seep in the hearts of, of maybe our friends in here who don't have a relationship with you, who are not sure where they stand with you. Would they know that the God who sits in heaven when he looks down doesn't see them and think, when are you going to get it together, but feels compassion and care towards them and longs for them to know him 
longs not for them to try to work their way or do something for them, but trust in what you've done for them by dying in their place. Father, would you take ground in those of us who have anxiety just as a part of our current reality or just as a part of our, our wiring or whatever it is, Lord, would you help us to trust in you? Would we take things to you and surrender those things and find your peace and your grace sufficient, your powers made perfect in weakness? And Father, where we are weak, would you be strong as you promise you are? Father, would my friends who are not submitted to the authority of a church, if they claim the name of Christ, would the Spirit of God press hard on their hearts right now and move them quickly to join and be a part of being the church and being a part of just your design for which we would be cared for. Thank you that you have sent the chief shepherd, our savior, Jesus, to die in our place. And you call out to all of us to come experience your love, your care, and to come to the altar of the God who lives. We worship you now in song, amen.